Good morning, and welcome to The Morning Fix. I'm Amy Shepard, and I'm here with my co-host, Julie Dye. The Morning Fix is a podcast series brought to you by the 510K Cafe. We interview medical technology leaders to discuss trends, innovations, and the future of marketing and communications in the medtech industry. So welcome to The Morning Fix. Today, we're thrilled to welcome Jason Bellett, co-founder and chief strategy officer of Echo. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Jason, tell us more about your journey to Echo and what attracted you to the medical device space. Absolutely. So we co-founded Echo about 10 years ago, hard to believe it's been about a decade, as undergraduates at UC Berkeley. And my co-founder was in his bioengineering senior thesis course and was learning about some of the big gaps in our modern healthcare system and in speaking to a number of cardiologists around particular gaps in cardiac care, one of the cardiologists looked at a stethoscope and said, you know, we've had so much innovation in healthcare and specifically in cardiology over the last century, let alone two centuries, but we're still using a rubber tube with a little piece of metal on the end of it that was invented in 1816 to screen for cardiovascular disease, which is the number one killer in the world. And what if we could bring this icon of medicine, the stethoscope, into the digital age in a way that used AI and software and cloud computing and mobile apps to help providers more accurately screen for heart disease on the front lines of care? And so that was really the genesis, the light bulb moment for Echo. Uh, and we spent the last uh, 10 years or so building it. And my background was in business. I did not have a healthcare background. My co-founders was in bioengineering, but we've surrounded ourselves with really passionate physicians and cardiologists and nurses who have helped us really fulfill this dream of of bringing the stethoscope into the digital age. I'm excited to tell you about it. Yeah, it's funny. I actually did some research to find out when it was invented because I imagined that it couldn't have changed much, right, in the last 200 years. And, you know, it seems like it's such a aha moment that you would you know, be able to change how this thing works. But I'm wondering if you're finding that healthcare providers are receptive to something new, or is there any hesitancy to use something completely new? It's a great question. You know, innovation in healthcare in general is always always an uphill battle. Um, But what we've found is that the healthcare community has been extremely receptive to an improved and refreshed stethoscope. Um, There's about 6 million healthcare professionals in the U.S. that use a stethoscope every day many of whom use it 15, 20, even 30 times a day. And so they're so reliant on this tool. Um, and while they've been trained to it and, and feel very comfortable using it, the fact is that listening to heart sounds is a very subjective and, and difficult part of the physical exam because you almost need an ear that's tuned and trained uh, like a professional musician to pick up very subtle nuances in a heart sound. And so you can imagine in a busy ER and a busy pediatric clinic, and with providers who, who don't have a lot of time to spend with patients, the pressure in 15 or 30 seconds of having to pick up on very subtle signs of heart disease um, is certainly something that we train our providers to, but is, is, is a tough skill for any human to really master. Uh, and so what we've done is help them listen with greater confidence and provide better care to their patients. And um, it's always an amazing feeling when we hand a provider our stethoscope and they put it in their ears for the first time. And they both hear the amplification because our, our devices amplify about 40 times, but also active noise cancellation. So they can filter out some of the background noise in the clinic and you just see it in their eyes. Um, and it's really like there's no going back after that. Uh, it's like the first time you put on your Bose, your Bose headset or your Apple AirPods. 
and you heard what really high quality sound sounded like, let alone what we're able to kind of offer in terms of our software and, and AI decision support. It's amazing that something so simple is so significant. Well, tell us, tell us a little bit more about the app and why the app that is used with Echo is so important and how does it change the experience for the providers and patients? What's amazing about the application is that it allows healthcare professionals to engage with the heart sounds and lung sounds really for the first time. Historically, they were just able to hear it and it was gone forever. Um, so what the app allows them to do is to capture a recording of a patient's heart. Uh, or lung to save it and refer to it later on and put it in the patient's health record so they can track it over time. And then what has been one of the most impactful use cases in the last couple of years, they can share it both in real time and in a store and forward capacity. So when we think about the explosion of telemedicine in the last couple of years, um, the ability to certainly see a patient and talk to a patient has been there for a long time. But actually, this is the first product that allows a healthcare professional to hear a patient who may be 50 or 100 miles away and do a full physical exam on their heart and lungs. And so the app unlocks really the digital power of the stethoscope in terms of their ability to save, share, and then ultimately analyze it using our FDA-cleared machine learning algorithms that help the healthcare professional really understand and get, get under the hood of what they're listening to and identify early signs of heart disease. You know, one thing that I thought was so cool, because I watched a couple of your videos, um, not only are you capturing that and, you know, able to share that data, but you can also see it now, right? Where before, um, you know, a healthcare providers using the stethoscope, they're hearing it only. But with that app, you can actually see it or you could show your patient, look, this is, you know, this is what I'm hearing, um, but you can see it here or hear it too, right? So I think the the visual aspect of it was so cool. It took, you know, taking the stethoscope from sort of a one one kind of trick to another trick, if that if that makes sense. Absolutely. And tapping into an entirely new sense, right? Like the, right. the stethoscope right. um, only relied on hearing. And I don't know about you, but I'm a really visual learner. So if I can mm -hmm. hear something and see something at the same time, I'm way more likely to retain it and, and be able to act upon it. Um, hearing a, a murmur in a fleeting moment versus being able to hear it and then capture a visual tracing of it that I can then show someone or share um, really would impact my ability to practice care and, and our hundreds of thousands of, of healthcare professionals that use our products and our apps have said that it's unlocked an entirely new way of being able to screen patients. And what's remarkable is that the visualization of heart sounds has been part of medical training um, for, for many decades. If you look into the textbooks of how doctors and nurses learn heart murmurs, they actually have a visualization of it. When they're sent out into the real world, they don't get the benefit of relying on that. And so what we do is we actually go back to the basics and we say, not only can you, can you hear it, but here's that little waveform rendering of what you learned back in medical school. And it's so much easier to pick out an abnormality and a waveform of a sound than in hearing it and trying to do that just with your ears. Oh, that's so cool. I never knew that they actually learn based on more of a visual than an audio. They get both. Yeah, it's really, okay. it's really fascinating. If you've ever seen sort of a waveform of a, of a sound before, um, it kind of looks like a really fast ECG. And when you see the sound and there's an abnormal sound, you can see it with your plain eye. But when you're listening for it in a lab clinic, it's really hard to hear. So it, so it helps complement it. Oh, very nice. 
Well, when you talk about the app, you mentioned AI and, you know, all of the, all of the technologies that are being used now in medical devices. And as we've been talking with some of the big medical device players recently, we're finding that you know, because medical devices are now reliant on, you know, good technology, you know, that sits on top of them, you know, whether it's an app, whether it's remote monitoring, whether it's making sure that our devices are secure and safe, um, it, it's harder and harder for medical device companies to get the technology people to come over to healthcare, right? Maybe they're sort of set in the technology world and, you know, being uh, recruited by Google and, you know, the metas of the world. And so I'm wondering if, you know, finding good technologists has been an issue for Echo too. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we we have the benefit of, um, from a recruiting standpoint, having a mission that, that people really relate to and, and compels people to, to want to join us. And so um, certainly the companies that you listed are doing some amazing work, but the ability to sort of redefine and change how we screen for heart and lung disease um, really, really excites people, uh, especially coming out of a once in a century pandemic that, that affected both the heart and the lungs. Um, and so I, I, I think folks that want to be really, really close to the mission and work at a team that's, you know, still under 200 team members and has the ability to get the entire company in a room and meet almost every one of your coworkers is really the, the competitive differentiator for, for Echo from a recruiting perspective. Not to mention um, wanting to emulate a lot of what, what those companies do, which is, you know, building a culture that, that fosters diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so there's a lot to learn from, from certainly the culture that Google's built um, but but we we went out in terms of our ability to get every team member super close uh, to the mission and the vision and to the customer, and that's that's really great. You know, Jason, that's really interesting. And I, th- I was thinking about that a little bit more. It's it's quite the time to invest in this technology, and, and like you said, once in a lifetime uh, p- uh, pandemic illness that very much affects uh, respiratory systems. It's essential to to have a a technology that can detect, um, you know, uh, subtle, obscure sounds that might not be picked up normally. So, yeah, I was thinking about that as you were speaking. That's really interesting. Yeah, it was it was definitely one of the things that got our team emotionally through the pandemic was was knowing that we were in the room to steal a line from Hamilton in the room where it happens, so to speak, and that our products yeah. were. Um, carried by hundreds of thousands of healthcare professionals into patient rooms to deliver better care. And, you know, if you have a business marketing or sales, or you have a technology background, during a pandemic, you often feel a little bit helpless because you're not on the front lines of care delivery, but being able to, to build the product that's helping those providers deliver better care was really inspiring. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Switching gears a bit, with June being Pride Month, um, we saw that you published a blog uh, called Why I'm Openly Gay in Healthcare. Tell us about the inspiration behind that. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for bringing that up and happy Pride. June is Pride Month and it was important to me uh, to take a moment this Pride and reflect on about a decade of being out of the closet and what that journey has been for me, both individually and professionally. I came out actually just about a year before starting Echo while I was at UC Berkeley uh, to 
a warm and welcoming and wonderful community of family and friends. And, and obviously, San Francisco or the Bay Area was a really inclusive environment to come out as well. Uh, and about a year later, really diving into the healthcare community, one of the things that I, I quickly kind of experienced was the lack of LGBTQ plus visibility in healthcare, especially sort of outside the bubble of some of the more progressive major cities, SF, New York, LA. Um, and as I hit the road, sort of traveling to hospitals and health systems and conferences, um, I found myself really quickly going back into the closet. Not because I experienced sort of overt discrimination or, or homophobia by any means, but I proactively decided that I would, I would hide that part of myself to avoid, uh, you know, experience any, experiencing anything. Um, and that was in part because I didn't see other out and highly visible LGBTQ healthcare professionals, hospital executives, administrators. Um, and so as, as I've sort of evolved over the last decade, and as our country has evolved over the last decade, I've, I've come to realize that that visibility is so important. And as I was reflecting this year, I was really thankful for, for how far we've come as an industry in the last couple of years and wanted to keep that momentum going by removing any doubt that I was gay and uh, making sure that I was visible to other LGBTQ plus folks in our industry. And, you know, we have a, the first transgender assistant secretary of health and human services and the Supreme Court back in 2021 um, put LGBTQ plus sexual orientation and gender identity as a protective class so that physicians at certain health systems can't be fired just for coming out as, as LGBT. Um, the human rights campaign has doubled the size of their lists of healthcare facilities that they deem to be inclusive of LGBTQ plus patients. And there's been tremendous visibility although I would argue not enough, towards the mental health crisis that we have in this country, where over 40% of LGBTQ plus youth contemplated suicide in the last year, literally in the last 12 months. Um, and so, you know, both the, the rise in visibility of LGBTQ plus professionals and also the rise in visibility of LGBTQ plus healthcare issues and, and the crisis that we're still experiencing has sort of inspired me to raise my hand and just just be more visible as a professional and in, as an individual. And that's made me feel so much more authentic and, and comforted and welcomed in the community. So thanks for bringing that up. And thank you for sharing it. You know, it is so important. And, you know, it bring up, it really brings up some, you know, sobering statistics, you know, as you said about, you know, our trans youth and mental health crises. And so we still have a lot of work to do in the healthcare space in this area. But, you know, it is interesting, you know, just in the um, couple of decades that I've been in this area, um, how much things have changed. You mm -hmm. know, I look back at, um, you know, some of the larger, more conservative healthcare companies and never would have dreamt, you know, just maybe 15 years ago that they would be, you know, flying the pride flag mm -hmm. during June, you know, on their social channels, et cetera. So, you know, I definitely think we have come a long way, but we still have a lot of work to do. We do. And, and you bring up a really good point around flying the pride flag. It's often overlooked as um, a very little thing. You know, what, what does it mean to change a social photo? You know, it takes two seconds and it's a rainbow. What does that really mean? But, but to your point, everyone sees it. And for, for health systems um, and certainly in communities where the LGBTQ plus uh, community is not as visible, 
the very small nuance of changing a profile photo for one month of the year can blanket a community in, in this feeling of support and celebration. And so I, 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 I too have been blown away by what I've seen on social media and it actually means a lot. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we have one final question for you because you're here on the morning fix by 510k cafe. We ask all of our guests a fun question, which is what do you do for your morning fix? Ooh, I'm, I'm drinking my morning fix right now, which is a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> a little walk with the dog and a, and I wish it was just one cup. It's more like two, two to three. Um, but that's my, that's definitely my morning fix. We love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And we, you know, really loved hearing more about Echo and your journey and your support um, of, of all communities. And so thanks again for your time and we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.